Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Obsidian Achievement. This is your host, Michael Russin. Thank you for joining me today. Happy Thursday. Good to spend some time with you guys, as always. Dude, I haven't, like, drank in, like, three weeks. And last night, I had about, oh, probably got a bottle of wine for the wife and I. And, uh, you know, she's pregnant. She can't drink a lot. She had one in glass. We got two glasses, two pretty sizable glasses, probably half the bottle. And, uh, man, I feel just, the alcohol sucks. Alcohol sucks, dude. I can remember when I was in the life insurance business in my early 20s, dude. I think we drank. We went out every night. I don't know how pe- I, I, Dude, it's no wonder I, like, looked the way I did and felt the way I felt all the time and just like the anxiety like alcohol triggers a lot of anxiety with me like I'll wake up at one or two o'clock in the morning if I drink you know we're talking two glasses of wine and so what is this lady doing you could have went 15 times um gee whiz bro um I wake up you know I only had two glasses of wine but I woke up at like 1 30 I was wide awake anxious about nothing I notice now in my 30s, it messes with my stomach way, way more. Like, I've got, like, I don't know if it's heartburn or what today. But I was, like, choking down my breakfast. And then the motivation factor. It, de- like, for me, when I drank it completely, like, I didn't want to make my gym bag last. Like, all the normal little things, reading, gym bag, it, like, I could see how people who just drink a lot just turn into giant pieces of dookie you know what I mean it's like and that used to be me I don't know how well I I don't know how I did as well as I did I mean because we were drinking a lot dude I remember when I lived in Erie we lived in this just basically call it a frat house so we had this house the manager that hired me uh, asked me to come live with him because I was commuting from New York to Erie Um, About an hour drive, but in the winter, it was brutal. Brutal, brutal. If you listen to my Christmas story from last week or the week before, you'll hear about it. Going from New York to Erie, like Western New York to Erie, not like New York, New York. Western, so for all you out-of-staters, because we got people from Minnesota, Iowa, California, y'all listen, tuning in. What's up, Minnesota? We get a lot of of traffic in Minnesota. (laughs) I don't know who I know from Minnesota, but what's up, Minnesota? Love you guys. Thank you for tuning in. It's funny, when I was in the staffing company, speaking of drinking, I don't think, so like when we uh, interviewed people, um, and they still do it now, but Steph runs it, When I, I used to do final interviews, um, and um, we had a client that wanted Minnesota only, and dude, for goodness sake, man, everybody in Minnesota has a DUI, <laughs> I couldn't believe it. It's like everybody, we because you had to ask them about, you know, their background to do a background check to see if they could get an insurance license. Get appointed for the whichever company we're hiring them for at that time. And, uh, man, oh, man. Minnesota, you guys like to drink and drive. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, he asked me to live in this house with him. It was, uh, I think it was 30, I still remember. I still remember. 3725 West 38th Street. So up in Erie, there's like the west side and the east side. The upper west side, where which is where this house was crazy how cheap Erie was. 
this house was right across from a very nice high school called McDowell. Like, right across the street. Um, down the road was a gas station, a relatively populated neighborhood. We had a two-story house with a basement. It was, I mean, basically could have been four bedroom, two bath, one and a half baths. The, the bathroom situation kind of sucked, but like everybody getting up to go to the office in the morning. I'll get to that in a minute. But, uh, yeah, two, two and a, one and a half baths, big, big finished basement, um, big backyard, beautiful backyard. I mean, it was a nice house. Bro, this house, you would have plopped this anywhere else. You would have plopped that house up here in Maine. You'd be talking about $3,500 to $4,000 a month in rent. It was like $1,500 when we lived in Erie. Erie is the fourth poorest city for medium in, median income in the entire United States. I think it's like the average income is like $17,000 a year. Dude, that's what I'm going to pay my staff this week. I could, ne- I could never imagine. I don't know. That's crazy. <coughs> I don't know how people do it. But like food stamp culture is real big in Erie. Like people sell each other food stamps. Like all like... Erie's pretty gross. I'm not going to lie. Basically, all the people, all the trash that go, wow, dude, this lady running. I don't mean to be mean, but she's like, sweet, that can't be healthy for your hips. Like her legs, the bottom of her legs are swinging outwards and boom, boom. I don't know. Is that how you're supposed to run? I don't think so. Look kind of painful. Hey, she's out here getting it done. But like all the people that can't afford to like live in Cleveland or Buffalo or New York City all just kind of wash downstream into Erie and uh, boy your Erie's really rough Erie's there's shootings all the time lots of drugs just po- anywhere you have poverty you're gonna have a bunch of crime you know it's just, <laughs> that's how it is but um so we lived in this house and uh, it was just an absolute frat house at one point, I think we had 12 guys living there. We had guys in the basement, guys sleeping on the couch. Um, you know, I had a room. The manager I used to work for, his name was Casey, had a room. And then I think my little brother had a room. Yeah. And everybody else. And I moved out at one point, went to Pittsburgh where I met my wife, Geneva. And then I, we moved, I moved her back out to Erie with me. I mean, we, I was in Erie probably for about six years total. <laughs> 2013, 14, I think 15-ish, half, 15 and half of 16, I was in Pitt, and then 16, 17, 18, uh, I was back in Erie, and dude, we, I mean, we just party every day, every day, you know, we, we would start drinking at the, at, after work, and just didn't stop until 11 or 12 o'clock at night, go to bed, wake up the next morning, dude, so it's just, ugh, I wish I could go back. You know, I don't have a whole lot of regrets in life. Um, my biggest regret is how my senior year of wrestling turned out. I got hurt. And uh, I should have... Uh, I basically didn't wrestle in the in the state tournament because I was I, I busted out my wrist. So, I mean, my wrist still and elbow still aren't the same. Um, I'm not one of those guys that talks about it. You know, these guys, they milk their injuries. Oh, my shoulder, you know, back in 2017. Uh, like, you know, these guys, they go to the gym a lot, but their, like, physique never changes. And their excuse is always my shoulder. You know what I mean? 
always something. My knees, I don't have good knees. You know, you hear this stuff all the time. It's just ridiculous. So I never talk about it because I don't like talking about, let me look at me. You ever hear me complain <laughs> about lifting and injuries and BJJ and all the other stuff? So that's probably my biggest regret is definitely how my senior year of wrestling turned out without a doubt. That's the biggest regret of my life. Like that's kept me awake at night into my thirties. <laughs> like for real. Uh, my second biggest regret is how I spent my twenties, man. Um, I spent my twenties just a party animal, you know what I mean? And, uh, most of my twenties and you get so used to doing it every day that you don't realize, like, you don't realize, like, I mean, for me, like doing, I mean, we were doing cocaine and all this other stuff. And I, I'm very open about this stuff now because uh, I'm a, in a completely different place in my life. <laughs> thank God, you know, thank God. You know, I was popping Xanax and we were doing blow and just, you know, partying every weekend and clubs. And that, when I look back on that, and when my wife and I kind of reflect sometimes when old pictures and stuff come up, it's almost like I'm looking at a different person. And, you know, when I look at look at old pictures of my wife and I look at her now, it's definitely like I'm looking at a different person, you know? And uh, we were just two completely different people. And what's funny is, like, we were basically roommates. Like, we didn't really talk. <laughs> we didn't, you know, we spent a lot of time together, but it was like, it wasn't very good. Like we we're always going out to dinner and drinks and then the party afterwards. And just, I guess the whole point of this is, you know, if I've got younger people and I know I've got younger people that listen to this that are in their twenties and, you know, maybe you're in a high drive industry, anywhere you go where there's commission sales and big bonuses, I don't care if it's real estate. I party with real estate guys. I party with finance guys. I party with other insurance guys. It's the same everywhere. There's a trap. You know, because you get a bunch of 20-year-old kids making two, three, four, five, six, seven hundred thousand dollars a year, it turns into the Wolf of Wall Street. You know, you think about it, you come out of college. It was funny is I didn't do a whole lot of partying in college. I very I've, I've said many times on this podcast, I very much kept to myself. You know, I did the, you know, I all my buddies were in frats. I refused to pledge because I'm not a I'm not gay. Uh, so I don't want to get peed on by other dudes. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, can I be in your club? Piss on my head in a, in a kiddie pool? <laughs> I just, I, no offense to anybody that listens to me that's in Greek life. I'll just, uh, I'll, never under, I'll never quite understand that. You know what I mean? If I were to start some kind of a frat, I wouldn't be peeing on you. I'd send you out into the woods and you got to like bring me back a fox pelt barehanded. You know what I mean? Not, that would be your that would be your rite of passage. I'm not giving you a golden shower. You know what I mean? This is gross. <laughs> you, know, you hear about stuff like the elephant walk and all. It's just gross, man. Um, <clears throat> the girls are brutal to each other. <clears throat> girls make the, to, to get the sororities, man. You know, they do some pretty crazy stuff to each other, man. They just mutilate each other. But, uh, <clears throat> anyways, I guess if you're listening to this and you're younger, and I'm sure some of the older people listening to this could probably relate, uh, if you've, if you, I mean, you don't need to make a lot of money at a party, you know what I mean? But, uh, it definitely makes it way easier. You can get way more fun stuff, you know what I mean? And do way more fun stuff. Um, you're wasting your life and you're wasting your potential. 
big time. I'm not saying you can't have fun. You know what I mean? That's why I told my wife the other night, I'm like, I think I'm only really going to have a couple drinks if there's a wedding, you know what I mean? Or some event. You know, this whole every weekend or every time I go to dinner, like I said, this last night is the first time I drank in three weeks. Um, and I'm telling you right now, you will feel so much better. You're going to feel so much better if you cut that crap out of your life. You will feel so much better if you cut that garbage out of your life. Um, you know, don't get sucked into that trap. And if you are in the trap, you need to get yourself out. It's very difficult because everybody's doing it, right? And that's just how we built relationships. You know, well, you know, if you want a bunch of guys that you're trying to get to work for you or that do work for you to love you and, you know, what do you do? You take everybody out, you get them all drunk, you have fun, you have those drunk one-on-one moments where you say you love each other and you do anything for that person and blah. You guys all know exactly what I'm talking about, you know? But I would rather build relationships at the gym or on the mats or, you know, with the gloves on, beating each other up. You know, I would rather build relationships through spiritual, you know, going to church together, joining a men's group together. Like, there's so many different ways now that you could build relationships um, that don't necessitate the use of alcohol, you know? <sighs> I'm telling you, you know, you, you will feel and look so much better. I could see in the gym in the morning who's drinking at night. It's so funny. I I can see it in people's faces. Like, see, I was the kind of guy that I could drink and still get up and get the job done. You know what I mean? And most of us were. You know, it's much easier to do that in your 20s. But I could see in the gym now in the morning, you know, these girls will come in. God bless them. They're there. But they're like, they're super puffy and inflamed looking. They look miserable hairs all over the place like ah you went out thirsty thursday didn't you <laughs> you know <laughs> you were out for thirsty thursday I, you know the guys you can see it the guys faces too they're sluggish like alcohol is it's call it what it is it's poison and i started to become very suspicious of alcohol just recently in the past year and a half um because every show you watch alcohol everybody's drinking in every single show every show doesn't matter what it is. An office show, uh, this show, a show about a doctor, a show about this, show about that. It's drinking, 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 drinking. You see advertisements for alcohol constantly. When they tried to shut the world down with COVID, the, the, the liquor stores stayed open. You know, so anything that is popularized like that, if that's a word, to me is suspicious. Very suspicious. Why do the lizard overlords want us consuming alcohol? Well, because it's horrible for us. It causes inflammation, which causes cancer. It makes you sluggish and unmotivated. It allows you to be complacent. You know, you're worried about the world. You're worried about your job. You're worried about this. Have a couple drinks. You know what I mean? You deserve it. You earn it. You earned it. You could have a long day at work. Come on home. That was my thing. It's like, dude, I work so hard. I work 90 hours a week. You know what I mean? I'm out in the field all day long, blah, 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 blah. If I want to come home from the field and have a couple beers or a half a bottle or a whole bottle of wine, in the case of my 20s, that's what I'm going to do. 
And uh, I, I have, and I, I've said many times on this podcast, I have a very complicated relationship with alcohol because I'm very much all or nothing. Last night I was quite proud of myself. You know, I had two glasses of wine, but I still felt like crap. I'm like, dude, it's just, it ain't worth it. It's not worth it. It is not worth it. Because I'm so all or nothing. You know what I mean? I can't just go out and have two drinks. It's like, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm very pedal to the metal with everything that I do. So I talk about alcohol probably once a month on this podcast. Uh, number one, because I'm still figuring out my relationship with it, which is pretty much just going to, what I've got to the point of is just like, hey, if I go to a wedding, I'll have some, you know what I mean? Like a social event, something like that. Or there's something major to be celebrated, you know, because the Bible says drink and be merry. You know what I mean? It says don't get drunk, you know, but it, the Bible, there's, 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 um, <laughs> I mean, Jesus's first miracle, Jesus's very first miracle was the water to wine. Um, they drank wine at the Last Supper. You know, you have wine with communion. So, um, you know, I don't think it's necessarily a sin to drink, but it is a sin to get drunk, especially if you're doing it frequently. You know, the biggest thing is that you want to remove any crutches in your life. That's what I've tried to do recently is I've been trying to remove anything in my life that brings me cheap comfort right? Alcohol is cheap comfort, but it's expensive because you're borrowing happiness from the next day and you're paying interest on it. Yeah, it might make you feel good between 6 and 10 o'clock at night and you pass out, but the next morning from 6 till sometimes the whole day is lost because you're hungover. You know what I mean? So you're just borrowing happiness from the next day, but you're paying it back with a very high rate. It's like 22% interest. You ever had a really predatory loan? I took out a predatory loan, I don't know, five years ago. And uh, it's like a $12,000 loan with like 30% interest or something. And I just noticed it was still coming out of my account. I'm like, dude, I've been paying on this thing. It should be well gone. It was still like a $5,000 balance on it. I'm like, what? So I just called to pay the balance off. One main financial or something just got this ridiculously that's what that's like what alcohol and drugs are they're like predatory loans you know you feel good because you got it in hand but then the next day comes and you're suffering for two days you know you go out and you party really hard in your 30s dude it'll mess you up for a week for a week you know so anything that brings you cheap comfort I would try to avoid I would try to avoid for some of you, it might be pornography or sex, right? That's cheap comfort. How about this? For some of you, it's relationship seeking. Like a lot of women struggle with this. They can't stand to be alone. And this, I'm not harping on you ladies. I just know uh, men, men too, but mostly women have a very difficult time being alone. So they get themselves into relationships um, that last a month or two with a person that they know that's really not right for them, but it's better than being the pain of being alone. And that two month relationship, you know, the guy cheats on you and then you get angry and you go out and you have a bunch of sex to get back at him. And it's just, 
you know, you causes months and months and months of pain and turmoil because you were looking for cheap comfort. You know, you, it's, everybody has their vices, and it's different for everybody. But we're all the same. We're all the same. And the more that you can live, the more that you can avoid those vices. I mean, I think the first step is recognizing what your poison is. You know, some of you might listen to me and be like, dude, I got no problem with alcohol. I drink like, you know, twice a month. I might have a glass of wine. There's a lot of people that just, you know, they have a glass of wine if they go out for a nice dinner. You know what I mean? But they, they, they just have no desire. But it's something else for you. It's something else for you. Like I said, maybe it is sex. Maybe it is pornography. Maybe it is cheap relationships. Uh, maybe it's attention-seeking behavior. Right? Things like that that bring you cheap temporary comfort but cost you in the long term. That's another big thing with women that, you know, often didn't have a good relationship with their parents, especially their dad, engage in a lot of attention seeking behavior. And the cost of that is your dignity. You know what I mean? You've got to take your clothes off on social media and have your boobs and your ass out on social media. But what does that cost you? You know, what's the, what's the price associated with that? Well, the price associated with that is that you haven't left much to the imagination. It cheapens your value as a woman. It really does. Ladies, please, please, please think twice um, before you send pictures of yourself. Because I'm a guy, and I know what happens. Those get passed around with the boys. You know what I mean? Um... Just be careful what you put out there, you know, because it's out there forever. That's why, like, OnlyFans, I think, is so destructive. These young girls, 18, 19 years old, as soon as they're legal, are starting to make put, put out pornography of themselves. And your brain's not fully developed. You're 18 years old, my goodness, and you're putting out videos of yourself performing sex acts on the Internet. Those are out there forever. You could, you could delete your account. You could take everything down couple people somewhere have those screenshotted, they have them saved, like you don't know how that's going to come back to bite you <laughs> later on in life. You know, uh, and, and it just cheapens your vet, like for example, so you guys know Logan Paul, well he's fighting this jujitsu kid named Dylan Dennis, and uh, Dylan Dennis is an expert part of my friend shit talker. He's, uh, he spends a lot of time with Conor McGregor. And Dylan Dennis is thrashing Logan Paul publicly. Like, he's winning this battle. He won the fight already. Because Logan Paul's fiance has been passed around by athlete to athlete to, to movie star, to this famous YouTuber, to that fam- Like, Dylan Dennis is just posting pictures of this guy's soon-to-be wife making out with other dudes and half-naked with other dudes. It's just like... You know, you got to think about the long-term consequences. You got to think about the long-term consequences. So few people, like we we call it an attribute of young people, like to not think long-term. I know very few adults who think long-term. There are very few adults that I know that are truly long-term thinkers. What are the potential long-term long-term repercussions? 
of this behavior. You know, I'm, I'm very much, my tune has changed so dramatically over the past couple of years, you know. You know, men, men too, but ladies especially, you should save yourselves for the guy that's going to put a ring on your finger. Like, you shouldn't, having sex with a bunch of dudes is not liberation. You're literally giving men exactly what they want. Isn't that funny how feminism convinced, feminism convinced women that the best way to be a woman is to give all the men exactly what they want. That's to be a whore. You know what I'm saying? To cheapen yourself. To be passed around by multiple dudes. Like, I think the most beautiful thing is a woman... How rare is that now? How many women out there do you think save themselves for marriage truly you know I have less than a fraction of a percent I bet especially in the United States especially in the US you know if if God forbid I don't even want to speak it but if I were to just poof I slid into an alternate reality tomorrow where Geneva didn't exist right And but everything else in my life was the same you know, and I had to start dating again, the first thing I would be digging into would be that woman's sexual history. I know that sounds creepy, but it's because your enemies as a man, when you're a, I'm going to sound egotistical, but when you're a super high caliber man like me, you're going to create enemies. <laughs> you're going to have, you're going to have opponents. You're going to have people try to take you out of the game. And one of the first things, as we see with Logan Paul and Dylan Dennis, is one of the first things they go for is your woman. And if your woman has openly, you know, if she's posted videos and pictures of herself half naked on the internet, if she's had a lot of sexual partners, that's going to get brought up. You know what I mean? And what does that make you look like? It makes you look like a cock. And there's nothing more embarrassing as a man to be a cock. You know? So the very first thing, and it's it's unfortunate, you know, because growing up in high school and college and, you know, I had relationships with many women that I knew I was never going to marry. And I'm, you know, I'm ashamed of that. You know, I'm not proud of that. Many men wear that like a badge of honor, you know, like the Tates. Oh, yeah, a bunch of women and Bugattis and blah, blah, blah. That's not what it means to be a man. You know, part of a, you know, being a woman is preserving your feminine chastity. And part of being a man, an honorable man, is respecting that. Isn't that crazy that that's a controversial take? That women shouldn't have sex with men that, they're, that aren't going to make them a wife? And men shouldn't be preying on women's emotions to get them to have sex with them? Knowing that they're not going to make that woman their wife? You hear that stuff all the time. You got to test, you got to test drive the car before you buy it. That's just, you know, and then you're just reducing a woman to just a, a, a vehicle, something to be used. You know, that's disgusting. It's so funny. Listen to what I've said for the past 10 minutes and try to wrap your head around the fact that I'm pretty well known to be, uh, as many people would call me, a misogynist. 
But go back and listen to the last 10 minutes of this episode. Let me let me ask you a question. Do you think I'm a misogynist? Or do you think I deeply and profoundly care? My actions haven't always supported that. But now that I have this newfound relationship with God, I can see clearly now. Because the world gets in your head. That's why it's so important that you spend time with God, that you spend time in prayer, that you spend time in the Word, because if you don't, the world's going to poison your vision, your view. Like, I grew up in an industry and, a, and around people that it was like, yeah, you need to get a bunch of women, and part of your value as a man is having a big, long body count list, and, you know, you start to look at women as conquests, you know what I mean? Many men do that. Many men look at women as just the next conquest, the next conquest. And all these poor girls out here are getting used and abused and ran through. I'm sorry, I don't mean to use that kind of language, but it's true. And what happens at the end of the day? Everybody's broken, everybody's used, everybody's sad. Because when you, it's interesting in the Bible, it says when you commit sexual sin, you're not only committing sin against that person, but you're also committing sin against yourself. It's the one sin that you commit against yourself. And I know the men that do this don't genuinely feel good about themselves. You can see it in their faces. And I know for a fact the women don't feel good at all. So, cheap comfort. Try to avoid it. I got to hit the gym. I love you guys. Let's have a good day. Bye-bye.